Welcome to the CircuitPython Show. I'm your host, Paul Cutler. This episode, I'm joined by Martin Tan. Martin wrote the first Code Club Moonhack projects in Scratch and Python, used by over 10,000 kids in Australia. He also blogs on Maker Topics, runs a Maker store, works in IT security, and contributes to various open source projects and community conferences. Martin's latest book, Microbit Projects with Python and Single Board Computers, Building Steam Projects with Code Club and Kids Maker Groups, was published this past April. Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. How did you first get started with computers and electronics? I used to do a paper round when I was in grade six, which would probably be maybe 11 or 12 or something. Yeah. My parents really, they initially wanted me to do it. And then they, they realized that that cost them too much to repair my bike and everything. So eventually they got a computer and I quit my paper round and I'd come home and play with this computer. It's the usual thing, get, get sick of playing games. And, uh, you know, we used to have to type in all our games as well. I, I noticed that, you know, there was basic and then there was assembly language. I just went straight to assembly language and started started looking at how things worked. And I looked at, you know, oh, how's, how's this work? Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's this code here. And, and then I, I went through and, you know, one thing led to another. And I'm like, oh, a system call print something on the screen and I'm like oh, okay and then I was like that worked so wait what does it what, what does that do under the covers and so I looked in the system call and I just saw oh, it just copies a byte from one location to another so I, oh what if I you know copy something to you know 1024 in memory and it appeared on the screen and so I'm like, oh well that's a, another shortcut and, and then uh, after that it was oh you can do uh, interrupt driven programming and you can make all these things happen really quickly unless you you just really load it up, which I did, and the whole computer started to slow down. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting, and, and that's sort of how I got started. And fast forward to, uh, yeah, when I got into security, and strangely, all these useless things became really useful for, you know, reverse engineering malware and things like that. Your new book, Microbit Projects with Python and Single Board Computers, was released this past April. Tell me a little about the book. Yeah, Aaron from Opress hit me up and said, oh, you know, because I've been writing uh, some tutorials on a blog. And uh, he said, oh, you know, who, who does these? And I'm like, oh, that'd be me. Yeah, we had a brainstorming session and, and it just worked. We just, it was in the middle of, probably in the middle of the pandemic where uh, everyone had crazy hair and was getting up at silly times of the day and working from home a bit more than they normally do. It just came together and, uh, you know, pretty much, I did several several years of Code Club. Uh, so there's Code Club World, Code Club Australia, Code Club UK. At my, my son's school, I volunteered. Well, I actually asked how they, they registered for Code Club and I asked how it was delivered. And that seems to mean like I want to volunteer. So I ended up volunteering for that. Yeah, the teacher who'd been there from the start so I said, oh, it's like several years now. This is this quite an epic thing all these things that we, we learned from making lots of mistakes and getting really frustrated and uh, having lots of false starts uh, turned out they were they would be really good to put into a book and that's that's essentially it in a nutshell that was uh this is this is what we did this is yeah I'm not a teacher I do have you know a certificate in course development and training and I do train people um, in secure uh, development but 
other than that, yeah, I hadn't really taught kids. For those who might not know, what is a code club? So it's an extracurricular activity, a way of getting kids coding outside of school. Some code clubs run in conjunction with a school, which is what ours was, and and others are at the local library. Coding over here in Australia is in the curriculum, but it, it wasn't so much. And and I really like the idea because I sort of feel like coding and, and those kind of other skills, uh, they seem to be more empowering when there's something that's yours rather than something that's thrust upon you. And so, yeah, so Code Club is essentially a bunch of volunteers, a group of kids, sitting down and going through a a bit of a curriculum and we just sort of pushed it harder and harder. It ended up venturing into things like uh, electronics, 3D printing, that sort of thing. Who is the book intended for? Is it more for the kids or more for the folks running the Code Club? So the book is really for anyone who's keen to, to run a Code Club or make a group for kids. Uh, so that could be kids. Uh, there's quite a few teenage kids who do that, but also you know, parent volunteers who are really keen. There's also a lot of teachers that are that are quite keen, which is really, really good to see. There's a big difference between when a teacher embraces it and does this sort of tinkering for fun rather than just part of their job. It's It's a hard message to get across and... Yeah, you, know, you get that look where you're like, are you some kind of weirdo who, who likes this stuff, you know? And it's always a little bit disappointing when I get that. But then, you know, you get the teachers and they get really excited about things. And, and that's where you're like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> kids learn in different ways and at different speeds. How do you keep the kids interested and not get discouraged? I guess a lot of it is is reading what what the kids are into. At the start, you know, we were just we're just really happy to get through one session. It's strange because you know not not much should have changed since we started to now, but when we started, we had a lot of kids that had grown up with you know tablets, you know, iPads and and phones, and we would say something like, you know, I'll go to the drop down menu, and they would just look at us blankly, and they're like, oh, these like that's interesting, or they they wouldn't know how to use a mouse. Or they would touch the screen and be like, don't touch the screen. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so there, there are a few challenges with that. But we started to read what different kids were into. So, for example, if you, you get a kid who sits down and puts his fingers on, you know, WASD and, and holds the mouse, then, you know, uh, this kid plays games. So you can kind of hook into that. Uh, other times you might just see different things that the kids like about things and yeah you can you can talk to them about that and the other thing is just I guess telling them what we're thinking so so we would sit down and verbalize and that's just something that I talk about in the book is verbalizing what you're thinking your thought process and and then we get the kids who've who've coded before so yeah they're they're pretty easy I guess that there were limits though with that we did try and just focus only on Python because, you know, if everyone's doing the same thing, it's just so much easier. But I feel like we had we had one hour a week. If we showed them five or six different languages, 
they just wouldn't get fluent at any of them. And the whole idea was to empower kids and, and give them something that they could, you know, whatever language it was, stick on that language and get them at least fluent enough to be able to, you know, not just follow, you know, copy, copy directions, you know, to actually think of something that they want to do and be able to express themselves you know, by, by creating this with code and, and communicate with it. Um, and we did see, we did see a few really good school projects that came out of it as well. So we would go along, you go along to some kind of open day or something like that, and there'll be one of the code club kids and, and they've, they've written something. So yeah, it's it always really good to see that. So in addition to Python, the book talks about the microbit and MicroPython. Did the kids favor Python or the microbit projects one over the other, or does the curriculum take them through both? The code club curriculum does have it does have micro bits, but uh, more more the sort of drag and drop type of thing. So there was they've got a like scratch modules, and so there's a there's a whole curriculum of scratch modules. Um, I can't remember how many there are, but I think there's over a hundred uh, modules there, and they're all free. Uh, and it's free to sign up for a code club, which I think is a really really good thing. I think the kids just with Python, they they saw it as Python. And it was it was pretty universal, so I would talk a lot about, hey, why don't we do why don't we do this project because you've learned about lists, you've learned about these, and we try and put in a bit of terminology in there. I guess not to make it technical, but just to give them a way of you know if they talk to someone who was accomplished at programming, they could communicate with them, and and that collaboration is something that we talk about as well. Code Club, and I've also included a lot of that in the book as well. How did the kids collaborate rather than working on each project by themselves? I think it was it was just inevitable that they would start to collaborate because we'd end up with a bunch of kids who, who were a little bit ahead or, or had finished you know, a bunch of projects, and then we wanted everyone to complete projects because we did find that when people stopped when it got hard, they wouldn't they wouldn't learn. I mean, we all know what it's like when you start debugging things yourself and then you realize you actually understand more from that, but it's quite easy to just stop there. So we, we're really focused on completing you know, the projects, not, not just for the sake of completing them, but for, to, to make sure that people broke through that gateway of understanding how to overcome the adversity of you know, uh, things aren't working as they should. How do I? How do I fix it? You know, how do I? How do I discover what went wrong? That sort of thing. And so then it just came into. I think we the first project that we did as a group was um, called Devs and Testers. Essentially, the, the kids just had a. Uh, they picked a project that one of them made. It was a pretty generic little game. Some of them were devs. Some of them were testers. And I just, you know, had a Kanban thing on the, you know, with three columns, were uh, much like GitHub, a, a very simplified GitHub on the on the whiteboard, and they had post-it notes, and say, all right, you need this this group of testers needs to, they need to find bugs or find things that can be improved, and then you put them on a a post-it note, and the devs team will look at it and work out, you know, they'll prioritize which ones. Are worth fixing and, and adding. I, I thought we would have yeah, issues with uh, collaboration, and, you know, because you can't, you can't. It's really hard to merge code 
<laughs> on something like you know Scratch. Kids like to surprise us. Do you have a favorite story from your time running a kids club that that may have surprised you? We had this one guy, Jamie, and I wouldn't say he was. He came back as a volunteer as well later on. So when he was in Code Club, he would, um, and this was back in the Scratch days. But he would. He was just so prolific with he he would sit there and he would work out what he wanted to do and he would just sit there and nut out like and he'd have he'd have all bits of code you know back in scratch that would be uh you know a bunch of blocks just sitting somewhere orphaned and he would have all these things so he could remember in case it didn't work at but one time i do remember he came back from holidays and he was messing around with the game. And I said, oh, is that your new game? And I knew he made multi-level games. And I said, how many levels have you got? And he's gone, 13. And I'm like, so you just, over a couple of weeks, you've just written a 13-level game. And they were just jumping blocks and things like that. It's the type of thing that you would see as, you know, I don't know whether he ever went on to you know, make a mobile game and that, but that would be the type of game that would just take off on on mobile. And I think that was... That was one of those times where it was just mind-blowing that you know, someone did that. And the other time was where uh, I was on one of the school camps that I used to go along to. I had one of the students sit next to me, you know, as my your bus buddy. You had to have a bus buddy. Didn't say a word. This is a different person who didn't say a word. It's interesting that people who like coding don't talk a lot. They said, ah, oh, she loves Code Club. I'm like, oh, right, okay. And... As soon as I mentioned Code Club, she just did not stop talking. She was super, she's like, I can't wait wait to get home and, and go and program things and scratch again and that. And and so that was that was one of those things that we really wanted because those kids will probably still be doing that stuff even, you know, long after Code Club. And that's, you know, it's become theirs. And I think that was one of the one of the things that are that makes Code Club make a difference because you're giving the kids, you're empowering them to be able to make their own things and to also teach themselves. So we're almost out of time. Last question I'd like to ask is you're about to start a new project. Which microcontroller do you reach for? So typically it's the most minimal board, microcontroller board, that will do the job and is currently available in large enough quantities for their job which really, really narrows it down these days. So, you know, sometimes that will be a, an ESP32 or, um, you know, an RP2040 uh, is, is, is probably one of the most readily available boards. Well, I'll make sure that I link to the book in the show notes. Martin, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the CircuitPython show. You can buy Martin's book, Microbit Projects with Python and Single Board Computers, Building Steam Projects with Code Club and Kids Maker Groups, directly from APRESS or from Barnes & Noble or Amazon with links in the show notes. For show notes and transcripts, visit circuitpythonshow.com. Until next episode, stay positive.